Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On today's show, I will be speaking with Mark Shoup. Is that correct? Shoup as in Superman. You got it. <laughs> Hello, Mark, and welcome to Between the Lines. Thanks, Randy. It's a pleasure, uh, pleasure to be on your show. Oh, you could be outside uh, in the nice sunshine today, but uh, you're here with me. So thank you. Thank you. Before we get into the uh, the, the meaty portion of the interview... I wonder if you might take a few moments to let the listeners know um, who Mark Shoup is and, and what makes Mark Mark. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. My <laughs> name is uh, Mark Shoup, and like I said, a lot of my friends call me uh, Superman or Superstar or Super Shark, and if they don't, I do myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to wear a, I used to wear a Superman pin when I was young, and it got me all kinds of job uh, interviews. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm 62 almost. Uh, I've always wanted to write. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Um, I had a journalism degree, and I thought I was going to be a sports writer. I actually had an offer to write sports for CBC Radio, and I had an unusual opportunity to go into business, and I did that and ended up spending a career in, in business as a, an accountant and a auditor and a financial person uh, doing all kinds of really boring stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I thought I would get out of that at some point and sell some writing. But, uh, you know, you start raising a family. I had three children uh, and that took up most of my time. And then I was trying to write all during that time and just never looked at the page count. And I was writing this massive fantasy that just got too big. And then I had a couple <laughs> of heart attacks just around the time of COVID. So on leap day, four years ago, I had bypassed surgery, which kind of changed everything and made me realize, reassess my life. And it was time to retire and do what I really wanted to do, which is, which is right. I've also just finished last year walking all the streets in Calgary uh, as part of my heart recovery process. So fitness has always been a, a key thing for me. And uh, with, with my heart condition, I'd likely, they tell me to die of a heart attack. They said, unless I get hit by a bus, I'm dying of a heart attack, which actually gave me quite a great relief because I'm not likely to go through Alzheimer's or any of those kind of diseases at the end. But it's kind of freed me up to, okay, I got to live every moment as if it's my last and live uh, my best life. And for, for the last three years, I think I've been doing that. Wonderful. Now, you're in Calgary, but why don't you tell people where you're originally from and what you're trying to do? Well, I'm from Halifax, and my wife is from Shelburne, or a little town south of Shelburne in Nova Scotia called Sandy Point. And we have some land there, which we're in the process of putting a modular home, which will be our base for at least part of the year. And uh, depending on where the kids end up, we may end up there full time. That's our dream anyways, but we hope to spend part of our part of our, our time there. Um, my wife has a couple of books set there and um, my Wish Doctor book that I just published last year is set there and I've got another one that I'm working that's set there in Nova Scotia as well. Now, uh, is it is it um, beachfront or waterfront or oceanfront property or? Yeah, it's, it's waterfront and it's next to a, a, a lighthouse and it's... Uh, uh, looks out into the strait that goes into Shelburne Harbor, which is one of the deepest harbors in the world. 
Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, is there no concern of the eroding shoreline, or are you not that close? Well, there is. <laughs> there is. Uh, we I did my homework, with, Mark. We worked a, with a landscaper, though, to make sure. We, we originally wanted to put it right on the edge of the ocean, but we, we set it far, as far back as we could, and we lifted it up off the ground. The um, landscapers have built it up so that the drainage uh, will will go around the house if it ever got that bad. But the, we're more concerned actually about the rain coming down from the hill above us. And they've sculpted that so that the rain will go past the house. So we shouldn't have any problems. Oh, that's cool. That's that's advanced thinking. Good, good, good. Well, um, is there anything else you want to add or are you, are you ready to get going? I'm ready to get going. All right. So this next section is called question period. This is where I get to ask you some wonderful questions that uh, you had a chance to uh, pick. So question number one then is what inspired you to start writing? Well, so that's a really interesting question because I said earlier, like all I've ever wanted to do is write. It's the thing that I can remember from very early age. I really had to reflect on why, why did I want to be a writer. And I think it started with my, my 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 earliest memories was 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 my mother reading, because I was grown up in the '60s when there wasn't you know 127 channels. You couldn't get every NHL game to watch. There was one game on Saturdays, so the you know. You didn't get consumed by that. There's no such thing as video games. And you could only spend so much time outside playing playing street hockey, uh, particularly in the winter. So mom used to read to me and my, my two brothers at the time. And uh, that was uh, that was just the, the funnest time of all, just listening to those stories. And I don't know if my mom was a particularly good reader or a good storyteller, but it was just fascinating to hear those stories. So as a result, I ended up, kind of making up my own stories, all verbal at the time. And then uh, I remember the Batman show being on in the in the early 60s and, you know, dressing up as characters from Batman. And then Sobeys used to have these huge paper bags that the groceries would come in and I would make costumes out of those paper bags, you know, all kinds of different <laughs> characters. And I, you know, one day I'd be Cowboy Joe and one time I'd be Mark the Monkey and the next day I'm Batman. And so that was kind of my original storytelling. And then somewhere along the line, I realized, well, you could turn that stuff into written stories, you know, particularly when you got to school. And uh, when I was in like around grade six, I discovered comic books and I was, I had this character called Johnny Lightning, who was a motorcycle driver who had gauntlets that could shoot lightning. And uh, I was I was asked to write the sports column for the junior high school paper. So I submitted my first column. And with it, I submitted anonymously um, a copy of my first Johnny Lightning serial. So for the next three years, I would submit the uh, sports column along with the Johnny Lightning serial always anonymously and it was kind of a joke because all the all my classmates knew it was me that wrote the johnny lightning stories but the teacher who coordinated the school paper never did until i was in grade nine and <laughs> so that was uh, so that so that was a that was a lot of fun and then a friend of mine self-published a johnny lightning comic book and we had lots of fun uh, we had lots of fun doing that and by that time there was no doubt that I wanted to, that's all I wanted to do was, was, was be a writer. And without thinking of it, um, I, I, I went to school 
for Bachelor of Journalism, thinking that if I wasn't a fiction writer, I could fall back on being, you know, an investigative reporter, perhaps, uh, or more, more likely a sports writer. And uh, so that that's how I kind of got into it. And it just seems that my, my whole life, that was my interest. Interesting, interesting. What themes do you often explore in your work? I, I've got several that I like to, to deal with. I I think, you know, I, I, got, I grew up on, you know, kind of the heroic journey, the, the, the fact of people facing challenges and how they deal with them, whether they're big challenges, whether, you know, you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to deal with something in a war setting or just a more personal challenge of being, um, it may not seem like it, but I'm a real introvert, right? And, you know, going through school <laughs> and having to, you know, getting through the challenge of getting up in front of the class and making this public speech. Uh, so, you know, so the very basics of storytelling, facing a challenge and, and how do you get yourself through that challenge and how can you be creative and find ways to do it? And still the aftermath of even when you're successful, you know, the angst you might feel afterwards, how did you, how did you deal with that? So I think that's a fundamental theme to everything I do. And, you know, and everything else kind of, uh, kind of builds, builds on that. But I, you know, being a comic book fan and a fan of mythology and, and originally Bible stories, um, that heroic journey of, you know, particularly the hero that's faced with overwhelming odds and, and how do you get yourself through that? You mean that, like that, Gideon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was I the was first thing that came to mind, sorry. Yeah, well, I, you, you say that, that was actually actually one of my favorites. I remember that and, and Joshua. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a story of uh, in Scotland too of, uh, of an army that's trying to fight a bigger uh, uh, foe, obviously the English. And, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the, one of the foes steps on a, a thorn and calls out. And the thorn, of course, becomes the Scottish symbol. I've got, I got a little whiskey flask in front of me that's got the Scottish thorn on it. So I always thought that was a great symbol that tells that story of the, the, the small Scottish army trying to take on the bigger English army and, and how that little thorn made a difference and became their national symbol. That's almost how every story works out, though, in the end, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think the good ones, I think the good ones, too, sometimes sometimes conflict doesn't always end in uh, the hero winning, the way the world works. True enough. Next question. How do you balance your personal life with your writing career? Well, that was, or do that you? was a big challenge because uh, I... Uh, I, I took some time off to, to work and I, I didn't really see it as taking off time to work. It was trying to balance that in writing. And uh, I was always writing through that period, but it was, it was almost more of a release than anything else. I would come home and write um, as many days as I could. Of course, there's lots of challenges with, uh, not challenges, but things to do with the kids, whether it was taking them to hockey games or school or helping them with homework. So I, I just really focused on the writing and kind of lost sight of the fact that, hey, if you're going to write, it would be nice if you actually got published. So I spent <laughs> I spent like 25 years writing this Game of Thrones, uh, Lord of the Rings fantasy. 
and I plotted out all eight books. And before I know it, the first book, I decided one day I better count how many words I had and then convert that into pages and realize, holy jumpins, the first book is 1,500 pages. Oh, my. Nobody's, nobody's going to take that. And then I spent five years chopping that down to 600 pages, and I thought, okay, now I got something that'll compare to a Game of Thrones book. But I wasn't paying attention to anything because when I started it in the late 80s, you know, that's what that's what a lot of the people that I knew that were reading fantasy, that's what you wanted. You wanted a 600-page book that you could sink your teeth into. But by the time I tried to publish that, nobody would buy a book from a first-time writer uh, that was 600 pages long. So uh, it, it was it was kind of it was kind of convenient that I had a couple of heart attacks around that time, which made me rethink that. And and my fantasy, I I really think it's great in terms of heroic fantasy, but it was a little bit more serious. And funny, I was just reading an article about uh, uh, George R. R. Martin, who did a blog post this morning about how he was finding everything in the news very seriously and how he relates to his work being serious. And I thought, you know, maybe I'd like to write something with a little bit of a lighter tone, uh, something a little uh, a little shorter. And I wanted to have something that I could, you know, share with my, you know, my, you know, my kids and nieces and nephews. Um, and, and going into the phase where I was retiring, I, I know I had more time, so it was easier to balance things. But, but it's funny, retiring... I, last year was the busiest year I've ever had in my life. I can't believe it. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm older and I'm not as, you know, don't have as much energy, but you suddenly realize things that you never had time for. You're spending all your time doing that, whether it's, you know, finally tidying up the house or trying to do a little cooking and take some pressure off uh, my spouse who's done most of the cooking and then trying to find time with the, the kids and trying to keep my fitness in, in, in check, which is really important now that I've had some health issues and doing the traveling that I want to do. And, uh, uh, you know, last year we had some opportunity to, to, to work on our property. And so all of these things have taken a, a fair bit of time. So I've really had to force myself to say, well, look, again, I don't know how many years I got and I got some things I want to say in writing. So I, I've been, forcing myself to take some some time to do that. So last year, I turned 61 and I said, I'm going to write 610,000 words or edit 610,000 words. And uh, I, you know, I, I was pretty disappointed about it. I didn't quite get there because uh, the book that I had just had published, the editor got back to me last year and we spent a lot of time doing the editing for the last part of the year. And then I had to start thinking about promotions. So I spent my time on uh, time on that, but it'd be really disciplined to say, look, I'm going to sit down and, and write. And, and I find for me, I can do that if I discipline and say, okay, I'm going to do 2000 words a day or whatever it is. Um, and sometimes it's not very good, but I can check it out. Right. And then I go, you know, but some days it turns out some days when I don't think I'm going to be able to write, that's when I have my best stuff. And some days when I think I'm going to have my best stuff, it turns out to be utter nonsense. So you just never know, right? You just your your mood doesn't necessarily dictate the quality of what you're. But uh, the first time I wrote a novel when I was sixteen, uh, again it was a, a lot more complicated. I was way more ambitious. But I started off simply by saying, "I'm going to write a page a day," 
and it ended up averaging more than a page a day, I, I was able to do that because of the resolution. And I think most of my writing has, has happened because I've resolved to, to do that some amount of time a day because there's just too many things in life that'll distract you if you don't make it a priority. Mm -hmm. So it's really, the resolution is really about forcing yourself to making it a priority. So going back to that balance question though, um, did you ever have to put one in the back seat in favor of the other or, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, oh yeah, for sure. There, there was times when I was working, there was a couple of jobs that I had that were just uh, really time clenchers. I had one where I was working from like seven in the morning till midnight for about 22 days a month, which is not unusual in the accounting world when you have month ends and you have a key job. Uh, every, every account kind of goes through that. And there was just, I mean, practically there was just no time to, to write when you're living that kind of schedule and the children were young. So I, you know, I've got, I got very little done and, and my days off or the days that I wasn't working that hard, obviously I was saving all the energy for the children. So there might, there might be, you know, the, the storytelling then was entertaining the children. And, and, and I, I will say that some of the things that I would have told the stories to the kids is goofy things. I, I, I had a character called the super shark, which, uh, <laughs> we, especially would we, you know, we'd have time in the summers and I chase around the pool as the super shark. And that came the basis for some stories that I, uh, that I told yet or, well, yeah, but there's been, there's been times when, yeah, it's just been impossible to sit down and write, even though a lot of ideas were rattling around in my head. So the best I could do is I've got my little, notebook that I call Mark's book of books and I'll jot down and I, I jot down an idea and uh, that's all I really need to because I can I can generally pick up the idea and go from there uh, but but yeah balancing the writing and it's really tough for you know there's very few writers as you know that can make a full-time living off of writing so having that skill to balance between writing and whatever you do for a living is really critical I have an advantage of living in a small town where there's really no work for a, a, a legally blind individual. And so it's it's easy for me to sit down and just write, 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 write. But I mean, I found some other things that I really enjoy doing, like spice blending, hot sauce creation, and doing a podcast. Yeah, it sounds like those are some key ingredients, if you pardon the pun, for a good story or poem. <laughs> Next question. Uh, how do you think social media has uh, affected the way writers um, connect with their audience? Well, for me, I don't think I would have had a sale without social media. I'm with a, <laughs> I'm with a small publisher and they, they leave it up to, to the writers and the bookstores to pick up your, your books. And today it's really, it's really the one, the one thing about this age, I think since COVID, everybody's writing a book. Uh, and, and their grandmother. And, and their grandmother and their grandmother's dog and their sick beetle. Um, <laughs> so there, there's so many books out there. It's really hard to 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 compete with. Um, so the the only way you can really connect is through social media, and uh, I, I think that's been very very helpful to me. I wish I had more followers so I could even hit more more people. But I've done I, I my books a mix between humor and allegorical, and there's lots of puns in it. So I've been posting lots of pun pictures and pun comments and little videos on social media and, and inviting people to come out to book signings and such that I would never have reached without 
you know, without social media. So for me, it's been, it's been, it's been really great. It is difficult myself. I find on the other side, when I'm looking to see writers that I want to go see and hear about that my feed is so filled with all kinds of writing stuff. Now it's really hard to sometimes, you know, focus in on what I'm really, really interested in. And I'm not very good at figuring out how to sort through Facebook and say, you know, this is the stuff I'm interested. In. This is the kind of writing I'm interested. In. So I struggle a little bit like that, that I may spend a couple hours a day on different social media, just trying to find the next book I'd like to read. And then I realize, well, now I've got no time to read today because I spent all my time looking for the, you know, the, the next, the, the next book. So it, it, it's true of anything in the computer age, right? We have just generated so much more data and information to go through that data sorting is, is so important. But, but if I could ever figure out how to make Google search properly, I can never figure out why I, I may type in uh, historical fiction and I, you know, I get something about furniture at Walmart. I just, I just don't know the connection. I guess, you know, I mean, there, there must be an awful lot of sofas called the Iliad or something. <laughs> I can't figure out otherwise how that stuff ends up in the, ends up in the feed. So it, it's pros and cons, but, you know, uh, as, as somebody trying to make a little name for themselves for the writing, um, it, it's been, it's been very, it's, you know, it's been very, very helpful. And I, I hope to, to be, build that as I, as I go forward. And, and, and thankfully I've had a few people that have liked my work so far and, and doing me a great favor by, you know, by sharing some comments or sharing reviews. So that's been very, very nice to, to, to see. Which is, I mean, really the point of, of my podcast is to, to bring forward, to bring to light some of these authors that we, nobody would ever hear of otherwise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the, you know, that's the kind of thing I was, uh, I, I, I found out about your podcast because I was going through a social group and I said, this looks really cool. And I looked you up online and listened to a couple of your podcasts and said, okay, Randy's pretty cool. And so I would never known you without, you know, without the. My son would tell you differently. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them. (laughs) Um, you, you, you brought up another question in my mind though. Um, who or what do you write for? Well, it's interesting. For 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 uh, my my recent book, I wrote for myself and I wrote for my kids and my nieces and nephews. And and the the reason I did that was I was looking at for a way to connect. And I was really thinking about after I was in a job with a high responsibility, and I felt a big responsibility to get my kids ready for the future. Mm-hmm. And because I see a lot of that not happening these days, I think uh, people want their kids to be happy, but it's really easy to give their kids too much in this day and age rather than um, get their kids ready. And and I wanted also at work for the people I was working with a lot of young people in my job, wanted to get them ready to take over responsibility for me. So my book was really about passing responsibility from one generation to the next. So I wanted a book that would connect with both generations and and hopefully everybody in between. Um, So that was the audience that I I was looking for. And I didn't know if anybody but me and, you know, my nieces and nephews, uh, all being genetically 
you know, entangled, we kind of, we kind of share a bit of the same kind of humor, which is dry and pun filled and a bit silly. And, uh, um, uh, but the, the feedback on it has been that, uh, it, you know, it, well, the first reviews, I, w I would not know if anybody would like it. And I've gotten some really great reviews. People have said, the, the, other than me, that it really hits the spot between uh, several generations that could read it. Like I like to say, like, I've written jokes that young people will get in talking to, you know, that's one of the things I've done. I've tried to keep up just naturally and listen to my kids and the music that they they listen to. So I'm not absolutely up to date, but I'm pretty good and I can have dialogue around the music they listen to. But being an old person, I also know what old people like and I'm 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 big on dad jokes. So there's dad <sighs> jokes that only, you know, older people will get. So I, I say, well, if you're if you're young, you'll get about forty eight percent of the jokes. And if you're old, you'll get about fifty two percent of the jokes. And if you read it together, you'll probably get about seventy-five percent of the jokes in the in the books. But interestingly enough, I I I read this article about I think the guy's name is Rubenstein. He's a musical guy, and he did a lot of the late Johnny Cash work. And he said he said the number one principle is don't write for anybody but yourself. He said because if you're writing for yourself, you're going to do the best job you can possibly do. If you try to write for another audience, you're, you know, you're really uh, shutting yourself down and you're, you're, you're going towards lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. So if you want to write the best or of anything you can do, write for yourself. So, so that's what I've generally tried to do. My, my, my fantasy series that I've worked on and the memoir that I'm working with, which is a humor memoir about, you know, living, how to recover from two heart attacks during COVID um is uh is really written to amuse myself and if it doesn't amuse me then i throw it out and like every every page every chapter has to be interesting or amusing to me and if it doesn't i throw it out and if i can laugh at it or say there's something cool in this chapter then then i kind of pass the, uh, the 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 me test so that that is ultimately uh the audience that i'm trying to Trying to please, and thankfully, I think my sensibilities are are, are kind of a generalist. Because I'm interested in a lot of stuff, right? I've always been a voracious reader, even of uh, nonfiction, and I'm very good at trivia. So I like a lot of that different stuff. So uh, I find that uh, a lot of people like that too, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and and I'm only, like I said, I'm interested in the stuff that's really interesting. So. Um, I geek out on anything that's really cool and, and, and interesting. And, and I think that does resonate in my writing. Cool. A saying that I, I, I utter quite a bit is um, I don't write for profit. I profit from writing. Yeah, that's a great quote. That That's a great quote. That's mine, I think, but I, I feel free to use it, anybody. But it just it's it makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's that's really, I mean, I love to write. I don't care if it makes money or not. Um, is if people read it and they have to buy it, which means there's money. But I can do without the money. But please buy the book. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't write for the money. I write for the just to learn about the craft. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that that's terrific. I I I'm I'm not, and I've learned even even if I was, I've learned this is not a 
money-making uh, proposition. I would just like people to, 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 to read my stuff and hopefully I've got some interesting things to say. My first book, I'm probably gonna be deep in, uh, uh, deep in debt because I'm having fun doing different promotions. I've got costumes <laughs> for all the different characters and I've got mugs that I've made up and calendars and t-shirts and all kinds of different little props that I'm using at the book signings. And I'm just having a blast with it. So, you know, if I got to spend a little bit of money to have some fun uh, along with the process, then, uh, you know, that, then that's, that, that's great. Um, as long as, as long as I don't go bankrupt, I'll be okay. <laughs> in, uh, in a few, I've got 12, self-published books right now but in in at least half of them i i quote myself again and it basically goes let's see if i can get it right here i do not necessarily write because i have something to say but rather because there may be something you need to hear oh yeah that's a great quote yeah i, I think i saw that in, in something on your webpage. that's a great quote yeah. yeah and it's another thing that i live by and i mean every writer has something that they live by or a code that they follow and and those are mine what challenges do you face as an unpublished Canadian writer? Well, strictly speaking, I, I am published, but yeah. very, by a very small, but very small publisher. I think all the things that uh, I, I'm, I'm facing now are the same with uh, somebody who's self uh, self published. You know, going back to earlier our conversation, there's just so many books being published now, and I, I think since particularly since COVID, like people have had time to sit back and think they, they want to write. So, you know, being, uh, getting some attention in the midst of all of that and, 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 you know, at the same time, not stomping on anybody's toes, uh, because I think one thing about the Nova Scotia writing community is it's fantastic. Uh, they're all very supportive. And uh, I, I, I will say I went to a, uh, one meeting in Alberta of a writer's group and, and it was interesting that there was some competition around time to, you know, to speak so they could talk a little bit more about their, their writing where I, in Nova Scotia I find everybody's really really supportive but still it's hard to you know get 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 attention. I've gotten some really great reviews but I'm having a hard time getting my book into, into bookstores. It's not happening it's not happening naturally really interesting thing here in Calgary one of the one of the chain stores here in Calgary one of the biggest in the country which you can probably guess uh, without me naming mm -hmm. it um, they are not uh, paying for this show so don't name them <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the managers contacted us and said well they'd love to have a copy of them my book and bought it from us directly rather than an order it into my into their store and I'm going well oh boy it you know if I'm going to sell the book to the staff, but they're not in it for the store, it's going to be quite the quite the challenge. Now I know there's probably all kinds of buying rules and that kind of stuff, but I, I don't know any of that, right? Like I, I'm not a member of the publishing industry. I don't know how it works. You're just a writer, so you got to, so you got to figure out. So, so you really have to become a business person in the publishing industry to 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 figure that the you know to figure that out, and so that's what. Uh, that's what I'm starting to work now is how do I figure out how do I figure out how to do that? How do I understand the publishing industry to do that? Because there's not a natural way that and of course, I'm a novice on this. I I spent my years working in the oil industry as an accountant and then I'm writing 
okay, now I've got a book and people are saying it's pretty good. Now, how do I sell a darn thing? Mm-hmm. And it's, there's not a natural avenue for that, right? There's not, there's not people walking up and down the street saying, hey, we're looking for new books that we can take into our bookstore, right? So that that's the big that's the biggest challenge, right? Is really getting some attention to your to your books, and heck, there's a whole bunch of book contests out there. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I've been reading some articles. Well, there's a whole bunch of bogus book contests. You can spend all kinds of money entering your books into a contest, and then you make it to a certain round. You can spend a little bit more, and you get to get to the next round. And so, even figuring out what contests you can answer in to get a little bit of a attention is a difficult challenge. I listened to an article not that long ago and it was called Writer Beware talking about these book deals and contests and stuff like that. You have to be very careful about where you submit and uh, I mean I, and I don't really think that there's any viable way to um, check them to see if they're legit or not. Yeah, there was one website. I I've got Bookmart. I can't call it off my top of my head. That does give some uh, give some background on on that. Um, and I, I do intend to uh, you know to to look into that. The the other thing that I find challenging these days is, and for myself, uh, I have a hard time finding. I read a lot of books, but I'm finding it harder and harder to find books I really like. And I think that now there's so many middle people in between the publisher. Um, there's agents and now there's, uh, there's book coaches and, 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 and I was actually working with a book coach who was very good and helpful on, on my memoir. And, and I just had to put that aside because I didn't have time to get ready for, for the memoir. Uh, but it seems like a, a lot of the agents are not necessarily looking for good books, but they're looking for books on a theme or an idea they want. I, I read one agent and they said, well, I'm looking for fantasy stories that, you know, that feature unicorns and, you know, several things like that. And I'm going, wow, you're really, really specific. And in my reading world, you know, if I go into the bookstore and I see a history book on, you know, on something in the 1920s and it looks like it's really interesting, I'll pick that up. But if there's a book on, you know, fantasy um, that's, that, that may be set in today's world, um, I might pick that up if it looks good. Um, so I, I'm interested in, in like I said earlier, I'm interested in things that are interesting, and I'm, I'm not really interested always in a particular genre, right? Like I may pick up a, a book, as I did a while ago, on Keith Richards, which, which I couldn't get through, because it was, it was too much drug talk, but I, I finally watched a, a TV documentary about him, and it came off. Uh, it was much easier to watch in the uh, the TV documentary because it was more focused on on the music. But my point being, there's so many things that are interesting. I and, and I'm I'm the same with music. Like I'd rather listen to a good country song or good rap song than a bad rap song or a bad country song if I was interested interested in that genre because I think you limit yourself. If you're, you know, listen, looking for something that's very specific about whatever it is. And I find now that, you know, agents particularly seem to be so specific, interested in a specific thing that they'll, um, that, you know, they'll turn, a, they'll, they'll turn away from that. There's a, there's a famous story in baseball um, about uh, a scout 
and he gets a call from a, a, a or a manager, a general manager, and he gets a call from a scout, scout, and the scout says, "Hey, look, you can't, you won't believe what I'm watching. This pitcher is unbelievable. He every every pitch he's thrown has been a strike, and there wasn't until the eighth inning that somebody actually hit a foul ball. You know, one of the best pitchers I've seen. And the general manager thinks for a moment and goes, "Well, that's great, but we got a lot of pitchers. What we really need is a hitter." Can you sign up the guy that hit the foul ball on the eighth inning? <laughs> and I always thought that was interesting, you know, missing the forest from the trees mm-hmm. and looking at potential versus, you know, what you what you what you personally like or need at the need at the moment. I find a lot of time, you know, agents are picking up the person who hit the foul ball and not the pitcher who was striking everybody out. Not that I have personal experience in this because I really try to avoid like the big five publishers or, or you know, agents and stuff like that. But uh, I, uh, personal feeling, I could be totally wrong, probably am totally wrong. But um, I really don't need the big five or agents telling me what I need to write or what I need to read. And, and they, they tend to push the market to certain areas and people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's exactly right because, you know, if you've got something that fits their requirement, what they're looking for, then then it'll sell. If you're if you've got something groundbreaking, well, I mean, look at all the things in the world, Star Wars, Harry Potter. It goes on and on. The things that the people buying that stuff missed. It's a, it, it amazes me. Yep, absolutely. How do you stay motivated and inspired to write? Well, some days it's some days it's it's tough. I did a, I did a, a, a kickoff. I rented the art gallery in Nova Scotia and Halifax uh, for my kickoff for my book, and all kinds of people said they would show up, and, and not as many thought showed up as they would. And then some people that I never expected would show which which showed up, and uh, I I really had to to focus on on the people that did show up and that wanted to be there, and then I did. A few days later, I did a much smaller book signing in a much smaller town, and much a whole uh, more people showed up for that, and they were very excited about the book, and uh, and 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 that kind of took me out of the doldrums of the uh, of the first part. But I, I'm I'm always been kind of up and down. I get my my wife calls me sometimes, uh, you know. Uh, manic depressive i'll get i'll get very energetic around something i'll get depressed but a few days later i'll get some good sleep or i'll have a good chocolate bar and my energy will be back up so i i just find i i do have a lot of ideas and i do really enjoy writing i find that uh writing is the other side of reading because i like reading so much i find that reading for me is like a massage for my mind okay you know for the times that i've been most anxious and both stressed if I could find something that was really well written and entertaining, I really found that that soothed my mind, uh, like it was smoothing a, you know, like it was uh, settling down an itchy, itchy mind. And so I always go back to the writing as an inverse of the reading, because that has given me so much pleasure. And then if I can hit uh, the flow of writing well, I get close to some of the go, go, those great writers. That have soothed my mind. So I may not be able, to, I may be not good enough to soothe other people, 
uh, but I'm finding that that does does soothe me. And the one good thing that, well, out of my my on the book that I just published, uh, a lot of people are saying it's a great read aloud book, and that you can read aloud with other people, you know, families particularly, and um, that that gives me a lot of a lot of pleasure. And then I I just met with somebody who had uh, who who had talked to a few young people who had bought my book. And uh, the young people were all really excited about the book and couldn't wait for the sequel and liked what was going on in it. And I, I, that's actually a charge that I think I, I'm going to remember those two events that's going to carry me on at least through this entire year. And I kind of wrote it down in my, my journal to say, look, if you ever get down about your writing, you've got to remember those moments because uh, there are some people who are really enjoying your writing. Um, you maybe haven't met the audience and let's be face it, like, even if you're the greatest writer in the world, not everybody's going to like your stuff. Like not everybody likes Dan Brown when he wrote the Da Vinci Code. Not everybody likes Harry Potter. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people that did. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm not saying that I'm going to ever hit that audience, but if I can hit a number of people who like the kind of stuff that I'm writing, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Right. And if I can affect a few people. Right. You know, there's there, there's people that will say, like, if you can affect one person's life for the better, hey, then you've done something. Right. Bingo. Yeah. But then again, you also said you write for yourself mostly. So you're you're feeling good about it for yourself. But if other people are feeling good about it, then, you know, you've done something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I have a, a, a T-shirt that says on the front, it says I'm smarter than I look. And on the back, it says, but I'm dumber than you think. So this is moments like this where it shines. <laughs> um, what do you hope to achieve with your writing in the future? Well, I, I think what I'd really like to do is, I, I frankly, I would like to have some more readership. I'm hoping that uh, I can get some of the ideas that are in my head down on the page. Some of those ideas may never get published while I'm alive, but I'm hoping that I can get the thoughts that I have in my head, um, at least down, uh, well, I say on paper, but really on the computer screen and that, you know, maybe somebody in my family will pick them up and do something with them in the future, even if it's my family, just to, uh, to, to read that. I've told, I've been told that uh, I, 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 I am pretty creative and that I do have a point of view that's different and a bit goofy and fun and interesting, not for everybody. Uh, my sense of humor isn't for everybody, but it's for a lot of people. And I, I try to have, use a sense of humor and and a lot of the stuff I write to, to keep it light, even when it's serious. And I just like to get those ideas on, on the page because they say there's no new ideas, but I think I may have a couple, or at least a couple of different twists. On the twist ideas. is what would be new. Yeah, and uh, I hope I can get that down on the page and maybe somebody someday will be inspired and uh, we'll, we'll do something great themselves. Wonderful. In our uh, communications back and forth via email uh, regarding questions and the show and the outline, you, uh, you sent an, um, an alternate question in case uh, I wanted to throw something at you. But uh, before we go there... I have um, a question for you that you did not know is coming. So that's uh, the, the the mysterious question. So which will lead into your alternate question, by the way. So 
which punctuation mark best represents your writing style and why? <laughs> no, I didn't know that one. I knew the time travel one because I love you use that on some of the podcasts. Uh, punctuation. <laughs> I'm tempted to say comma because I keep using the comma and then I have to keep erasing it because I can't figure out how to use uh, how to use the comma. I, I uh, so other than the comma, I. <laughs> Well, I could also say parentheses because sometimes I go off on a tangent. Sometimes you got to put that stuff in, in, in that. Um, I could also say question mark because did he really say that in his writing? Yeah. But I'll ultimately say exclamation mark. One because it's got mark in the in the title, so I like okay. it mark in the title. And uh, but I'm I'm hoping that uh, um, that in some of my writing. There's something that says makes you go think, holy frig, that's cool with an exclamation mark. Or I can't believe he just made that joke. <laughs> that's a stupid joke, but I laughed at it. So um, I got to give him an exclamation mark for that joke. All right. And to your alternate question, then, uh, how do you blend humor into your writing? Well, I, I, th and I think that's the, the, the key about humor, right, is the timing. Right. Even if it's a master comedian telling a joke, it's about how they time it. So I think that the timing of where you insert a joke into the book or in the story or a speech is really is really critical. And because, you know, you can put it in at the wrong place. So I've been working on the, the sequel to, to my book, The Wish Doctor. And I was thinking, ah, maybe I've got too many jokes in that. And I've been trying to think about the pacing better so it's not too bada boom bada bing but a lot of people but a lot, a lot of people are telling me they're enjoying the outrageous puns i've used in the first book and uh seem to be getting the feedback that they're that they're, they're not used too often so now i'm trying to oh gosh i gotta come up with more puns for the second second book so uh it's a it's a really around finding the right timing to use it and in my book the wish doctor i've actually tried to use puns to make the story move forward. So an actual pun drives the story to the next, uh, the next chapter. Okay. So that's taken, that's taken <clears throat> some, some, some work to do, but some of my proudest moments in the book is when I've actually used a pun to drive the story forward to the next chapter. And I'd give you a couple of examples, but I don't want to give away the plot. No, make them buy the book to find out. Um, but I'll give you one example, though, in the book. There, it's all about, you know, wishes going wrong and the wish doctor trying to fix them. So, for example, if you wished to be a better person, and the, and the best place to make a, a wish like that is, of course, on a wishing well, because better makes you, you well. But if you wished to make yourself a better person, but you accidentally said, I wish to be a butter person, well, now you got some trouble because your skin will start to turn the yellow of margarine your arteries will start to harden and you better go find somebody like the wish doctor to help you out or you're going to be in trouble. Well, absolutely. But if you've got a speech impediment, you're screwed. <laughs> or, or, or if you use spell check on Apple and, oh. I, and you try to write your wishes down, that gets you into more trouble than anyone. No kidding. That's interesting stuff. Now we're going to get into the part of the uh, podcast interview where, well, it's really why we're here. And it's, it's called shameless plugging. And, um, you know what? We need to do this, especially if we're trying to 
you know, get our name out there, get our work out there. So um, <clears throat> right off, right off the hop, what book or books do you currently have available on the market and where can people find them? Well, I've hinted about it a little bit. Right? Oh, more than a little bit. <laughs> well, it's the one thing I've got to talk to about my writing right now. Uh, my book is called The Wish Doctor. It is uh, a book that is a veiled allegory about turning over the responsibility from one generation to another. Uh, and it's I think it's pretty serious for somebody who's had a lot of responsibility and trying to get rid of it is not an easy thing to do, particularly mm. when you're faced with some health issues. But uh, it's also about um, having fun uh, and making sure that you live life to the fullest, which is some of my philosophy I talked about earlier. But specifically, that allegory is the wish doctor for 500 years has been battling the wishes or the spirits that make wishes go wrong. And he's the sole thing that stopped bad wishes from really causing terrible disasters in the world. And he's he's running out of strength to be able to do that. The last wish that he made to stave off a fatal heart attack is wearing off. He's not going to be able to keep doing this. So he needs to find a replacement or we're in trouble. So he opens up the school of wish in uh, Cape Breton in the little town of Bedeck, where Alexander Graham Bell had uh, his summer home. And uh, he uh, recruits 20 very strange individuals who have a tendency to be able to make wishes come true, or in one case, make wishes not happen. And he hopes to train them in the power of wish magic so that they can predominantly help reverse wishes that go wrong and occasionally make a wish come true when they when they need to. And he needs to do that fairly quickly. And so it's the story of him training a replacement to take over for him. Oh, cool. And there's all kinds of crazy and wild wishes that go on in the book. And uh, there's a ghost that's pretty cool. And <laughs> uh, uh, all kinds of fun stuff that, that happen happens uh and it's uh, i think fairly imaginative at least the reviewers are saying saying that and uh i had a lot of fun uh writing it i'm having lots of fun uh appearing at the signings um i mean one of the things that's in the book that helps you make wishes is called whiskey not whiskey <laughs> and whiskey is opposite to whiskey as you get older you can absorb more whiskey because of your tolerance with whiskey the younger you are, you can drink more whiskey because you still have the power of innovance, the power of dreams, the power of wish things to happen. If you get too old and make a wish that would bend the, the, the natural laws, that wish is more likely to become a wish stake, which is what we call a wish that goes wrong, mm -hmm. and more likely to cause uh, more, more cause more more trouble. I think so I've had my share of whiskey and whiskey. <laughs> uh, so, so it, it, it's a fun book, but, I, but people have told me that uh, there's some things, there's a, there's a speech there where the wish talker talks about how sometimes thanks and wishes are opposite. You know, wishes, you're thinking about something you don't have, something desired that you don't have, where thanks is appreciating what you already have. And sometimes thanks 
is more powerful than any wish. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, there's there's some poignant moments in the book uh, like that that uh, go alongside the, the the humor to to make I think a a nice little story. And uh, so far, people seem to who have read it have really liked it, or at least they've told me that. I I don't think they're lying to me. <laughs> Um, so that so that's the the main book, and I've I've got two others that I'm working on. One is uh, my memoir about recovering from two heart attacks during COVID. It's called Ha Ha Heart Attack Heart Attack: How to Recover from Two Heart Attacks During COVID by Making Fun of Yourself and Other People, <laughs> but mostly other people. Um, so it's a lighthearted look at how to recover. From uh, from from heart attacks and uh, my book coach was working with me on that and uh, she thinks I got something there so I'm gonna continue uh, to work on that one and uh, I've got another one uh, that is uh, humor horror stories uh, set in in Canada um, I'm, I can't reveal the title of that because it's a classic pun and are they all centered on Parliament Hill in Ottawa. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't want people, uh, laughing the whole story. So, <laughs> so, so no, it's set in, uh, set in, uh, set across Canada, different locations. Uh, you didn't say where people could find your, uh, wish doctor book. Uh, it's, it's, uh, on, uh, Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble, both in hard copy and in an ebook. You can buy it on the publisher's website, which is Moose House Publishing, Moose House Press. Uh, you can buy it on the Indigo website, uh, Kobo. Uh, so all the ma- major sites. You can get it in hard copy, or you can get it in, in ebook. Uh, the, the cover is is very quite a, uh, attractive. The the artist who did it did a great job, as well as the. Uh, the, the production team at Moose House. So it's a very nice, handsome book, I think, to have in hard copy. So I like people to have in hard copy, but you can get it, uh, you can get it in ebook and it's certainly a little cheaper in ebook. And we're slowly trying to get it into some bookstores. Right now it's mostly in bookstores in Nova Scotia, uh, Dartmouth Book Exchange, Shorebound Books, Carrefour Atlantic and Halifax are, are three that have been you know, very helpful in, 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 in getting the word out about the books and, and hopefully it'll be in more books uh, shortly. Excellent. This is one of my favorite questions that I ask everybody and, uh, and you, you, you'll probably figure it out why. Um, if you had to choose one of your books or your stories or poems as a favorite, which one would it be and why? It's like asking, like, which one is your favorite kid? Yeah. Well, well right now, it's the wish doctor because one, it's my, it's my first book and it's kind of turn away from the more serious fantasy I'm writing to a, to a book that I think uh, reaches a, a wider audience. And it's, it's really that very central theme of, you know, in, in terms of a way it's uh, um, you know, the journey of life, you know, turning over that responsibility from one generation to another. I'm a very proud parent. Um, you know, my, my three children are thriving and that, that work to turn over responsibility and how to lead a good life from one generation to the next, which is a general theme and to have a good positive outlook and to enjoy life, which are themes in the book are, are themes that really resonate with me. And so I'm very proud that I, I told the story that I set out to do. So, 
uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, uh, I, I, I'm very pleased. I, I, I actually couldn't be more pleased with how the, the Wish Doctor turned out. Wonderful. And the all-important question, and rather than list everything off, just where can people find you? Probably the easiest thing is Mark Shoup on Facebook or, or Friends of the Wish Doctor on Facebook. Um, or my uh, webpage is adventuresofsuperman.com where I have a, <laughs> where I have a, a blog, which uh, sometimes I do some sentimental posts, but uh, mostly uh, humor blogging. Uh, if you Sometimes it's hard to, to get when you're keying in. So if you type in fantasy author, adventuresofsuperman.com, you, you should find it. But if you go on to Mark Shoup Facebook, you'll uh, you'll also, I've got a link there to the webpage. So, so that those are the places you can get a hold of me. Do you not, or do you have um, an Amazon author page? Funny you should, you should just mention it. Um, uh, my, 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 my spouse just set one, set one up for me. I have no idea what it looks like. That's what I'm going to be doing this weekend is uh, taking a look at that. And I don't even know what, I don't even, I, I don't even know what the title of it is. I, I'm assuming it's Mark Shoup, but What advice would you give anybody who might be too afraid to uh, get anything published? Uh, well, I, I, I would be, I would be candid. It's, it's not an easy journey. And I think you've got to be realistic and practical that uh, there's a small percentage of people that become really successful. So if you think you're going to do it for a living, you, you've got to be, you got to be really cautious of that. And uh, I don't want to chomp anybody's dreams, but be careful that you don't put all your eggs in, in that one basket. I look back at myself and wondered if I had taken my life and focused on being a novelist, would I be as happy as I am today? Hmm. And quite frankly, I'm glad I did spend some time working and uh, having some money that I could raise my my children. So I think I would have been disappointed if I had not been able to 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 raise children. But on the other side of that, there's a lot of avenues today to get published. And if you've got a story to tell that's interesting and meaningful, it's worth telling because even if you reach only a few people uh, and it resonates for those few people, it can change it can change their life uh, for their whole life or it can change their life for a short period of time and make them feel better about themselves or give them motivation to do something that will make them feel better about themselves. And even if it's uh, for that one moment. Yeah, even if it's for that for that that just one moment. And I think that's why we continue to to find new things to read because there's something I'll read that makes me or, or a movie that I'll go to that makes me feel good for a couple hours. And then I got to get something else to get the new high. But then of course, there's the things that you, that you turn back to, right? The Absolutely. things that resonate and you go back to. And there may be a, uh, there may be a very small readership for that, but those person, people that you can affect, uh, I mean, you know, that, that's why we're put on this earth is to do that. Absolutely. Mark, thank you so much for agreeing to come and do this uh, with me today. It's been fun. I've learned a lot about you. I've learned a lot about me because apparently I can uh, find humor in just about anything like you. So, um, but yeah, but thanks for coming on and doing this. Oh, thank you very much. It was a real treat. And that's a wrap for another episode of Between the Lines, the podcast. 
I want to extend my heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in today. Your passion for literature and the written word is what makes this journey so extraordinary. But before you head back to the world beyond our literary haven, I have a quick favor. If today's episode resonated with you, help spread the word. To explore more about me or read the blog or hear all episodes of Between the Lines, head over to www.therandylacy.ca. If you believe in the magic of writing and want to be part of the Between the Lines community, show some love by clicking on the Buy Me a Coffee button in the top right corner of the page. Your support, no matter how small, helps me bring fascinating conversations with talented authors and writers. Your support is crucial to keep this literary ship sailing. Please consider subscribing to be notified of any news about future content. If you have any questions, comments, or are interested in being a guest, email me at randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com. So, until next time, happy reading, writing, and living between the lines.